Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Our conversation with God can be very rich. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a conversation with God. Now we can condense that down to a, a big word called prayer. And prayer is a conversation with God. The question is, how, how rich do you want that conversation to be? I remember when Gail and I first met. We met in church, a uh, great place to meet in a place called Wagga Wagga. It means many crows. I don't know why Wagga is known for that and got the name because I think there's more crows at the moment on the Sunshine Coast. Like they're everywhere. I don't know why. Like they, they wake me up every morning. And, and uh, terrible birds. If you're a crow lover, I'm really sorry about that. But and who would ever name a team the crows? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, when Gail and I met, and then uh, you know we became interested in each other from from the get go pretty well, and eventually came time to are we going to date or what are we going to do? And long story short, I went down to her hometown where she was teaching in a place called Boolaroo Center in South Australia. I was in Adelaide preaching, and I thought I'll just do a little detour up there and uh, go and visit her in the place where she was teaching. And uh, that first day, if you, if you have had a date, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, often that first day, it's a little bit... Oh, it's a little bit, I don't know what to expect. It can be a little bit awkward because you're going to have a conversation. Now, conversations vary from people to people, relationships to relationships. And again, I said prayer is a conversation with God. But what kind of conversation do you want to have with God? So some conversations are one way. The person that you're supposed to be having a conversation with just talks. And they talk usually about their favorite subject, which is themselves. Talk, 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 me, 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 I, me, I, then I did, me, me, I. And it's not really the kind of conversation that we want to have with God. It certainly wasn't the conversation that I had with Gail when we first started going out. But then there's another type of conversation awkward, where the person doesn't say anything. And it's really up to you to kind of do an interview. Have you ever been in a conversation like that where the person just doesn't talk at all? And you just ask question after question after question to try to try, whoa, <laughs> try, to, try to get the information out of them because uh, they don't say anything. And, if, and, and that would have been an awkward date. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how the conversation is going to go with this lady, Gail, who I really don't know all that much. Well, to my relief, it was two-way. It was give and take. We both had a, a really good time. She didn't talk about herself all the time, neither did I. We both listened to understand. We had a, we had a, a really good um, connection there, and there was fire, and uh, the rest is history. And so that's the kind of conversation that you want to have. Two-way. In God's conversation, his conversations aren't where he just blabs and talks the whole time. 
sometimes it's frustrating because you think, are you going to say anything? Like, and we don't really get how God talks to us. A lot of times people don't understand that God doesn't converse like we're conversing right now. He gives us images. He gives us vision so that we can see things. And it doesn't take him very much to pop a picture into your head of what could be for your future or or a solution, a way out of a dilemma or a problem that you're in. Now, he gave one of the most amazing pieces of instruction in the whole Bible, and most of the world knows about this prayer. And we're, we're, we're in this. We've, we dove in last week with what's called the Lord's Prayer when his disciples said, teach us how to pray. Not teach us what to pray or what to pray for necessarily, but teach us how to pray. We want to, we want to see results, and we started the series ages ago, and I lost count of what we would be up to right now, but praying for results. When you pray, when you have a conversation with God, you want to walk away with results. You want to walk away with something is going to happen. There's going to be an effect out of this. God answers prayer. He taught them the Lord's Prayer. And so, uh, you know, we could call this the Our Father as well. The Catholics do, and I think it's a really, it's a really good um, reference to it because it starts off that way in Our Father. In Matthew chapter 6, we've been looking at, really, it's going to be six points to prayer. Six, uh, if you will, demarcations, if you consider prayer like a track that you're running around so you know where you're at at each point in prayer, he starts off with the first, and that, that's what we looked at last week, was the presence of God. Presence is very, very important because you're in the audience with a person that runs the universe. I mean, that's exceptional. And inviting the presence of God in is the first, it's the starting point, if you will, uh, of our points that start with P for prayer, and, and that's our Father. Our Father who art in heaven or who dwells and lives in heaven. He has a throne in a place called heaven. Our Father in heaven is the starting point for prayer. It's to, it's to acknowledge the presence of the king. Hallowed be your name. Now, if you missed that, go back uh, again to our YouTube channel or catch it on podcast and, and get, get a revelation of what it means in prayer, to step into the presence of the king and to invite him in to the conversation. So it's not a one-way thing. You're not talking to yourself. You're talking to the king, our father, who art in heaven. Now, I want you to notice and draw attention to that word, our. There's no personal pronoun here. It's not a reference just to my father. He is my father, but he says, pray this way. And he purposely, very intentionally uses the, name, the word our, all-inclusive. That this is not just about you. There's a whole family of believers called the church, the household of faith. And he says, pray this way, our Father, which means everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, whose Father is God. Start off with that. Bring that, that, that conversation inclusive of other people, not just yourself. There's one thing about the Lord's Prayer, and it's this, that 
every one of these points that we're going to look at and that we already have looked at, every one of these points is connected to all the other ones. It's not disjointed. It's not do this, we finish that, then go over to here. They're all connected. So the next point that we looked at, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, which is priority. That God actually has a priority for or an agenda for you when you're praying. That priority is his kingdom come. Our Father who art in heaven, bring his presence into the conversation, acknowledge who it is that you're talking to, and then look at the agenda for your prayer. Your kingdom, not my kingdom. Not, I can't pray that prayer and be selfish about it. Again, it's not my father and my kingdom and just my need, my, my me, I, I. It's our father in heaven, presence of God, now the priority of God, your kingdom come, your will be done as it, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. There's presence, the presence of heaven from the person of heaven coming into this place called earth so that his will is done here as it is in heaven. Now the third prayer point is where Again, whether this is one minute or one hour of prayer, we go from presence and we keep presence. We don't move from presence. We keep presence. It's interchangeable, interdependent rather. We, we keep presence. We keep the priority in our prayer, not just moving off of that. But, but the third thing that he says to pray for in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And that P is provision. That God wants to provide. But notice again that that, that that verse does not have, again, personal pronouns in it. It doesn't say, give me this day my daily bread. In fact, it's pretty unusual because he says, pray, give me or give us. And the, and the game-changing word there is us. Not me, us. I would find it very hard to pray, gimme. I, you know, couldn't go to most, I couldn't really go to anybody, give me whatever. I, I might say to Gail around the dinner table, uh, you know, please pass me the bread or pass, can you get me a knife while you're up or something like that for butter. But uh, give me is not something that I would be very comfortable to pray. And he doesn't say, give me. He says, give us. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, this provision isn't just about me. Now, it's not that it isn't about me. I'm included in us in our, but it's not me praying for my need in me, I, me, I. Again, what kind of conversation would that be if you go out on your first date and the person just talking about themselves? It's going to be like a, sh a long night, but it'll be the last night. You probably aren't going to go out with them again if all they're going to talk about is themselves. And if all we're talking about in prayer and praying about is me and I and I and me, and we're not thinking about the rest of the body of Christ, 
that, that God loves, the people that God loves, then it would turn into a very selfish conversation, and I doubt that the audience of heaven, the person that runs it all, is going to be all that interested in having a conversation with just a selfish person that's only interested in themselves. None of us go into that. We don't buy into that kind of a relationship. God certainly doesn't either. It's really important when it comes to provision for us to understand a few things uh, so that we can be the person that can pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread. I want to be that kind of a person. I'm sure that you do too. Not, not an I-me person, but an us-and-our person. That's the kind of person that this type of prayer will turn you into. You become very, very, uh, not me-centric, but you, you, your focus goes outward towards God's agenda. God loves people. God, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that the world could be saved. It's his priority it's his kingdom being established that he's interested in. And when we pray this way, we become partners with that person that runs the universe. And when we partner with him, provision flows. If it's just about me, then I don't really need that much. But if it's about other people, the body of Christ, then we need a whole lot, especially if we're going out there to reach the lost in this world and solve the problems of this world. So what I want to give you this morning in the third point of prayer that we come to, provision. I just want to give you a few things on how you can become that kind of a person or what kind of person, I'll frame it this way, asks the question or prays the kind of prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Now, when I, when I think about that prayer or that prayer point, give us this day our daily bread, I cannot help but to think about the manna that was provided way back in the Exodus when they came out of Egypt because they're in a wilderness and they're not farming and they're not raising uh, sheep and all the rest of it. So God provides quail. He, he provides the meat, in other words. He provides shade for, from the sun. He provides uh, heat at night through a pillar of fire. They're out there for 40 years. They're in a wilderness. And every day, there's this bread-like substance. And, and it's called manna. <laughs> manna means, what is it? <laughs> what is this? And it rains down out of heaven with, the, with meat. They get quail. They get bread of sorts. Every day, but you couldn't store it up. I mean, They tried. And it just stinks. The next day, it's like, that's disgusting. Have you ever gone into your fridge and not really paid attention to the use-by date on meat or, worse yet, fish or something like that? You think, oh, I didn't eat that salmon that's been in there for three weeks. <laughs> and you pull it out, you think, what's the use-by date on this anyway? It's like three weeks ago. It's like, don't even open it, just put it in the bin. Or worse yet, if it's prawns. Here we, we eat prawns, uh, especially around Christmas season. It's like Christmas lunch or brunch or whatever it is. We're going to get some prawns. We're going to have a feast, you know, of, of, of beautiful prawns. And, and, but then what are you going to do 
with the heads and the tails and all the leftover. You're gonna, if you're smart, you're gonna put it in a bag and put it in the freezer. Some of you guys know this trick. I'm on to you. And, uh, and then just before the, the, the rubbish is picked up, then you're going to put it out there. But you're not going to take it and leave it in the bin until the rubbish is picked up next week because uh, you know that is going to really stink the whole place up. And when it comes to provision, you can't store this up. It's not about hoarding up for a rainy day. Now, I'm all into budgets, and I do understand have yourself a fund for an emergency fund or something like that for just in case, you know, something happens, a car breaks down or whatever. That's smart. But to lay up everything, lay up, laying up treasures on earth where moth and rust come in, Jesus says, and, and it's corrupted. He says, don't, don't do that. Pray us, give us this day, this day. The manna came down for the day. It was sufficient. The trouble is sufficient for the day, but also so is the provision. So, so who prays this kind of prayer? What kind of a person would pray, give us this day our daily bread? Well, I believe the first kind of person that would pray this is somebody that's secure in God. They're secure enough to know that God's going to provide for me today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Consider the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, he says. They don't store up. They're not worried about I haven't heard any birds chirping and talking as they fly overhead saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm so worried about tomorrow. I look at birds. we got a vacant block next to us. And uh, I think they're ibises, you know, the bird with the really long beak. And they're out there in that, you know, that field. And... They can listen for insects crawling, worms. Birds can actually hear a worm crawling underneath the soil. So I've been told. And I'm thinking, now, how, imagine having to make a living that way. Imagine no Woolworths, no Coles, no supermarkets. Just you've got to go out in the field and, and, and listen for something crawling underneath the soil and then slam your beak down into it and pull up a worm. Think, this has been a good day. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> but you're not going to store that up either. You're going to have to do that day after day. It's raining here on the coast today. Imagine being out in that cold and that rain, having to get a worm out of the ground. I mean, my goodness. Consider the birds of the air. <laughs> Firstly, thank God that you're not one of them. Uh, but don't worry about it. Chill out. Right now, you're facing something. We're always facing something, aren't we? My favorite, one of my favorite authors, Mark Twain, said, it seems that life is just one darn thing after another. Anybody else found out that life is just one darn thing after another? You finish one darn thing, and guess what? There's another darn thing to take its place. Just when you thought it was safe, it's not safe at all. There's always something that we're facing. And when it comes to provision, it seems like people face that more than anything. Fear just grips the heart of humanity when it comes to this thing called provision. And we're so secure when our job's going well, when the economy's going well, which seems like it never is. Uh, 
But whenever something rocks our boat, the insecurity comes in. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? Well, you're going to pray, give us, which means you're not going to just be focused on you. Us, this day, this day, our daily bread, God will provide every day. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. That's a scripture. You can take that to the bank. So stay right with God. Stay upright with God. Pray this way with God. Have this conversation with God. And God will provide and be secure in that. And know that when you pray, the presence of God remains. When you continue to seek his kingdom first, then provision for that day, whatever you're facing, will follow. Signs and wonders will follow you in your life. God will provide. If you're taking notes, then I want to give you some of these other um, points, if you will, that, um, that God, the kind of person that can pray this way, number one, somebody secure in God. And I think it's really important to understand that that security, when you pray our, it's not just about your security, but it's also about those around you, looking out for other people. Now, here's a point, and I think this is uh, the way that this works, and I, I was thinking about that when I got this point, is that it's not just the provision flowing into me to, to meet whatever that need is, those bills that you have or the budget that you have or don't have. Uh, but the provision often comes disguised in a problem. And that, right now, if you think about, well, think about your problem, whatever that problem is, and it could be a person. But you will find that provision is there, but it's usually in the problem that you're facing right now. The great inventions of the world were all problems. And somebody solved it and went on and made a fortune. I think about these disciples, and the early church was persecuted heavily from, from the get-go pretty well. The day of Pentecost happened, and uh, the Spirit of God poured out, and then a whole lot of people got saved. Peter got up, preached, and I think it was 3,000 people, then 5,000 people. And then they had a problem. The religious people came in. It was going to be a rainy day. They're going to rain on your parade. As soon as, as soon as you start to prosper in whatever area it is, believe me, the rain's coming. It will wipe out your, like it did this morning with my office, the rain on your parade will happen. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be a problem. But here's the thought that I had, and I really believe that it's going to speak to somebody here this morning, that the provision in your problem isn't just finding a solution to the problem. For these disciples, there was a man that was laid daily in Acts chapter 3 at the gate called Beautiful. Beautiful gate, you can walk through, but outside of this beautiful gate was an ugly situation. The guy can't walk. Every day they lay him there. They lay him there every day. And Peter and John encounter this man, and he's begging for alms. He just wants some spare change. 
He just wants a, a handout because if he gets enough little handouts of coins, he's going to have enough provision to probably eat again that day. And, and, and Peter and John have a major problem. There's something that's been ignited called the church. There's a great commission that they're given. They have a, a major problem. How are we going to carry out now this commission that God has given us first through Jesus and now through the Holy Spirit and this pouring out 3,000 and 5,000 people? But here's the problem. This, this man begging now wants our attention. We want to go through the beautiful gate. We just want to get into the temple and worship God. This is going to be a great Sunday meeting get into the presence of God, get my needs met. But here's someone else that's sitting there called a problem. Silver and gold, we don't have. I don't have any spare change on me, pal. I'm sorry. But such as I do have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Now, in addressing this problem, not with spare change, but in addressing it with the power to change. The Spirit of God, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, you're looking at the needs of other people, the many problem, the many problem people that are in your life, that are lame, that cannot walk, that spare change is not going to solve their problem. But permanent change Permanent change where this man's legs were healed instantly so that he doesn't have to beg anymore. He can get up and walk and go make a living like everybody else does. He can walk past other people with problems and not give spare change, but give changing power through the Holy Spirit. And God provided more that way through the problem than just praying for provision of some kind to fall out of heaven. And the church took off, and God provided. So God wants to, he wants to give us this day our daily bread. But who does he give it to? He gives it to people that are secure in him, that are looking out for his kingdom. I think of Gideon and and Gideon, they had like uh, 87,000, I think it was, something like that, uh, soldiers. And God says, too many. Tell the ones that are afraid, go home. So a whole bunch of them left. I forget what the number was, but 10,000 remained. So, okay, still too many. See, the problem that you're facing right now, you don't need to look for an army to solve the problem. God's just looking for you to get some faith. God's just looking for you to put your security in Him and not your circumstances, your job, or your situation, or the economy. He's looking for somebody that will just trust Him. He's looking for someone that will go in and pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, give us, give us this day our daily bread. And so Gideon goes down to the water with his men, and God says, okay, the ones that, that drink this way, that, that look out and don't just dive in for, the, for themselves and don't care about the rest of the army. He says, those are the ones. So 300 of them looked out. They observed, see if the enemy's coming. In other words, 
They were on the lookout for our, not just me. It's a great, it's a great key when you pray our and not just me. Something shifts and your security, though, has to be in God for you to pray that way. The world says, you're mad. How, how can you take the first 10% and bring it to God? And, and, and they love to harangue about that. I, can, I could not, not do that because of our, because it's not about me. This is a prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread, not me. So I, I have to look out for the rest. You can't have selfishness in this prayer. Second kind of person is the one who knows that their source is God. That God will always have a, 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 another request when you come to him with this kind of a, a, a prayer so that you're dependent enough to say, give us. There's something about God, he will never supply your needs so that you don't need him. He will never exclude you from thinking about the needs of other people. So it just becomes about you so that you don't need him. I've lived selfishly before. Looking after Ed is no big deal. Lived in a tent. I could survive. Just not a problem at all for me. My needs, my daily Ed needs, daily Ed bread. <laughs> I can go out and survive. No problem. But when there's an hour attached to that, and, and, and you grow beyond just me and I to have us, whether that's a spouse, then you get some children coming along and responsibilities get bigger. And then when, when God says, now I want you to consider the church, my body, all the other people that are out there, and including solving problems in the world, then all of a sudden your faith has to grow beyond just yourself. Like I said, getting by with just me is no big feat. But God will never eliminate your needs to where you don't need him. Only Jesus can meet all your needs, Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But how does he do that? God gives you the supply. God gives you the provision for his vision. That's what it means, provision, to provide. Pro, for, vision, means to see. When I'm looking out and I'm seeing the needs of other people, and not just looking at me and my needs, when I'm seeing the vision that God has, thy kingdom come, when I see the, the vision that God has for humanity, now that provision to provide for that becomes so big that I have to depend upon him. I have to have God's presence in my life. I have to say, our Father, who art in heaven, because I cannot meet this without heaven being poured out. Being in a position where you have to cry out and depend on God is such a beautiful place to be. Because you discover who God is in that. But you have to purposely sometimes put yourself in that position. It's, it's easy when 
everything's coming in, paychecks coming in, job security, everything else, and just me and, you know, my wife and two kids or whatever, us four, no more. Easy. But when I start to look at the needs of other people, and I start to, provi- I start to uh, budget for that, and I start to step out there in that kind of faith, all of a sudden now, there's a dependency on God as my source. How does he supply our, our needs? How does this provision come? God will give us the, the resources. He'll put that in, in your hand. He will give you provision for the vision. But now what are you going to do with it? I think a classic example is David. David's facing Goliath. He's facing the armies of the Philistines. They go down into this valley, all the armies of, of the Lord, cowards. They go down into the valley. Goliath comes out, yells a bunch of stuff. Inflation is going to eat up your retirement. And they all go, ah! And they shrink back. They're down there. They're dressed for war. They're shouting, singing hallelujah. They got all the latest music going down. They go out for more battle. And then Goliath comes out again, yells another insult at them about something. Unemployment is going to rise. Ah, they shrink back again. What if I lose my job? Because that's my source. And then David gets something. He gets provision from God. God provides leather and five smooth stones. How are you going to beat a giant with a piece of cow hide and some rocks? See, the provision that God provided was the resources. Now it's up to the vision that you have to put that together. And so David gets a sling, which he already has because he's out there protecting the animals. He sees these stones. He he knows what he's looking for. God's provided. There's rocks there. This one will do. Thank you. Yeah, that's about the right. No, that one's too big. No, not the right shape. Thank you. And he gets five, some say because Goliath had four other brothers. Some say in case he missed, he wasn't going to miss. I like the four brothers theory better. Either way, giant's going down. God has provided. But God didn't drop a slingshot out of heaven, ready made by the angels. He gave the rocks, he gave the, the cowhide, but he also gave the vision the imagination, if you will, the ingenuity to solve the problem to David by giving him the resources and the vision. Right now, God has amply supplied resources for you to solve something, but when you get in prayer with God, my Father who art in heaven, his presence comes in and fills your mind. He fills your imagination. Would you take the time, carve out the time to go into a place called prayer, a conversation with God where you ask the presence of God into your life and, and, and allow him to give you a vision to solve the problems in your life 
And when you do that, and you do that with his kingdom priority or kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread. Then the resource will come, and the vision will come, and you put those two together, and now you've got something pretty amazing going on. I think about the need the disciples had for uh, the multitudes come together. There's so many, they don't have anything to eat. Disciples' solution, should we send them home shopping? Let them go away to Kmart or Kohl's, rather, or the supermarket, get their stuff and come back to the meeting maybe tomorrow? Now, what do we have? Well, there's a boy. He's got five loaves and two fishes. But what's a loaf and a fish? See, a loaf is flour of some kind, wheat, (laughs) and some oil. But that didn't come out of heaven as bread. There was wheat that came out of the ground, and there was oil that came out of olives or whatever they used to put that together. There was yeast of some kind. And there's resource in the ocean, in the lake. It's called fish, but the fish didn't just jump out there into the boy's basket with ready-made bread made by the angels again. God provided, give us this day our daily bread. He provided bread by providing wheat and oil and someone that knew how to put those together and make bread. He provided fish by not just the fish swimming around out there, by somebody that knew how to either put a pole or a net or something in there to catch those fish, put those together. Now we've got provision for the vision that God wants. He wants the people there to hear the word of God so that they can stay there and change. And God provided all of the resources every single day. He's providing natural resources for you to flow into the vision that God gives you to form solutions for these things and when you do that my goodness thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven that problem the problem is where God provided something in there value added is what we call that in business he provides through your hands God provided two coins to pay the taxes Jesus had a tax problem Got to pay the taxes. Peter says, well, what are we going to do? Go in there. Put a line in the water. I provided. There's coins in there. You got to catch the fish, however. (laughs) The coin isn't going to, in the fish, isn't going to jump out into the taxpayer's plate. God didn't give it, however, you don't want it. See, there's a lot of times where we get something that looks like it's God's provision, But it really didn't come from God. If you're single here, young man, and that woman isn't from God, you don't want her. That's why when you pray, you need the presence of God in that prayer, in that conversation. That's why you need, when you pray, you need to think about the kingdom of God. Is that person uh, together? Are we going to go on the great common mission? Young lady, you don't want him if he's not provided from God. You don't want whatever that is that that you might be craving for yourself to spend on your own lust. You don't want that if God didn't provide it. I don't want it. 
How do I know whether God provided or not? Because of the vision, because it's provision. So I have to think, I have to pray, God, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then God will provide. He, he provides joy, but he still expects you to smile. Sometimes I think, and you know, I'm digressing a little bit or deviating maybe for somebody, I don't know, but, you know, people are putting so much makeup on and, and they're focusing on so much good-looking cosmetic stuff or whatever to make themselves attractive where God just says, hey, why don't you just smile? Yeah. Do you know, how, you know how attractive a person that smiles is? <laughs> and God provides... He provides the joy for your, for your face to break out in the biggest smile that will make you more attractive than all the Botox and makeup that, that any, anybody can sell. God will give you the resources. Sometimes those resources are just called the fruit of the Spirit. And if you will have that fruit and go in there with a kingdom agenda. So who does God provide for? What kind of person prays? Give us prayer, someone who seeks provision for the vision. Again, the, the, the apostles' uh, problem was actually the provision and solving that. And then finally, uh, number four, and this is only point three in the, in the Lord's Prayer. So the first one is presence. Come on, yell it out for him. What's the second one? Priority. What's the third one? Provision. Got that? Three verses, three prayer points. And, the, and, uh, and then finally, who does God provide provision for? Someone who's desperate enough for God. See, I said this before, and I'll just say it again. God doesn't eliminate your problems. God gives you the solution, but you have to be desperate enough to go after that. Matthew 5, 6 says this. I'd like the worship team to come up, thanks. Jesus said this before the Lord's Prayer. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So my question is, how desperate and hungry, how, how thirsty and how hungry are you? Because when you go and pray, give us this day, our daily bread. If you're not hungry for the provision of God to provide to solve some kind of a problem, to bring a solution. If you're not hungry, if you're not thirsty for the presence of God, to seek the kingdom of God first, then provision's not going to flow. I think sometimes when we go into prayer, we go into that conversation with a, oh, yeah, I'll do it because I'm supposed to <laughs> take that off the box. And there isn't a result that follows. There's no signs and wonders that follow. It's like spare change time. Give it to the lame man, shut him up. Doesn't need, again, doesn't need you change. He needs to change. And the way that we're going to change and the way that prayer is going to change things, our situation, how blessed we're going to be. Matthew 5, 6, again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
Not for things, not for provision, but for righteousness. God, I want to seek you first. I want your heart in this conversation. I want to hear from you. I want to see, show me something, God. I'm desperate for you. I can't go into this with a take it or leave it lukewarm. He'll spew you out of his mouth. I can't approach this without hunger, without thirst for righteousness. Oh, but when I do, the fervent, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. That's the kind of prayer, that's the kind of conversation that God wants to have with you. Are you desperate for Him? And what would it take for you to get hungry and thirsty for him more than just the stuff. Getting before him and acknowledging his presence. Getting a revelation of the kingdom of God. Knowing if God doesn't provide it, I don't want it. God, you have to be my source for wherever I'm going with this thing, whatever I'm doing. If, I, if, if you're not in it, God, if you don't provide it, I don't want it. God, let me fast out the world. So I'm hungry for you. I want to pray for you right now. I'd like you just to close your eyes and bow your head. We're going to have communion here in a moment. And if I ask you the question, are you hungry for more than just the things of this world? Are you hungry for God himself? Do you hunger and you thirst for being right with him, not just right in front of people, right at work, having the right kind of car, the right house, but are you hungry to be right with God? To say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. And are you desperate enough to want provision, not just for you, but to pray our, our Father, give us, us, our daily bread, not mine. Are you hungry enough to include more than just you in your prayer? Father, I just thank you. Let, let our hunger increase in this house. I just thank you right now. You were born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. When I smell baked bread, I get hungry. You are the bread of life. Father, I thank you for a hunger and a thirst for the bread of life this morning. Not a take it or leave it, but a true hunger and thirst for you. If you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, I want to pray this prayer. I'd love you to be included in it. If you want to, just pray this after me. Let's just ask Jesus into our heart. Let's get serious this morning. 
we want to have a relationship with the living God as much as he wants to with us. So pray this prayer after me if you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.